The first game at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis was a bummer for the Green Bay Packers, losing 17-14 to the Vikings. So what went wrong? We'll ask Jersey Al Bracco. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're breaking down a week two loss to the Minnesota Vikings, hopefully giving you a little bit of therapy this morning. To do that, I have a guest joining us on the phone today. Expert interview. I have Jersey L. Bracco, the editor at CheeseheadTV.com. Mr. Bracco, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. Thank you, Brian. Always good to, to talk to you. I appreciate it. Yes, it's good to talk to you. Not good to talk about a loss, but uh, I guess we're going to have to do so anyway. We got lots yep. We got lots to break down here, Al. Um, let's start with uh, the quarterbacks. How surprised were you that Sam Bradford was the better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers on Sunday? <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I woke up this morning to a couple of text messages. One was from my my cousin who's a Packers fan, and he said, when did Bradford and Rogers switch identities? <laughs> and I said, you know, <laughs> that pretty much sums it up, you know. Uh, Rogers was the mistake-prone quarterback we expected Bradford to, to be, and he was inaccurate, and uh, Rogers really had a pretty bad game all around. I mean, what is it about Aaron Rodgers here that – you know, was going wrong because we expect him to be, you know, MVP level. Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is he's got that that same expectation himself, and he, he kind of feels that, well, he can just do what he's always done and everything will work out fine. But, you know, when you go up against good defenses, and the Vikings are a very good defense, you know, sometimes you, you have to adjust and sometimes you have to do things a little differently, not the same old thing. And, you know, I think that was part of the problem. Yeah, certainly. Um, Rodgers had a poor game, but how much of this, uh, you know, the receivers can't get open, how much of that mantra is carrying over to 2016? Because we heard a lot about it in 2015 as well. Yeah, um, I mean, I wasn't a receiver, receivers can't get open guy. I was more a the scheme has to change guy. You know, I mean, they they continue to run the same plays over and over again. I mean, when was the last time you watched a Packer game and you could pick out three plays and say, "Wow, never saw that one before"? <laughs> yeah, no. it doesn't it doesn't happen, right? They run the same routes, the same plays, you know, in different order, obviously. And and um, McCarthy has these theories of the game where he decides he's going to emphasize one thing or the other, and just He's going to emphasize that to hell or high water, regardless of what the defense is doing. And I think that 
here's the issue. Not so much the receivers can't help, can't get open. And mm-hmm. and the other thing about that is, you know, when when you do those type of things, and obviously uh, Mike Zimmer is a hell of a defensive coach, and those those Vikings defensive backs, it's like they knew what was coming. They knew what route. They jumped so many routes. I mean, Rodgers was lucky if he only had one interception. He was really fortunate. I mean, they were jumping routes all over the place. Like, they knew they were just running to the spot. Like, they knew where it was going to go. So, you know, I, I think that kind of falls on the scheme more than the receivers can't get open. Fair enough. We'll have more on Aaron Rodgers and uh, the passing game later in the show. But, Al, to, uh, you know, kind of analyze the whole game here and not just one player or one facet, uh, talk about the running game a little bit. Did did you have any issues with how they utilized Eddie Lacy and James Starks, especially that that fourth and one call, or was it fourth and two? Um, and, and you know, I, I guess I'm getting into is is there more than meets the eye in terms of Lacy's health? Why he wasn't out there? Uh, well, we'll start with with that fourth and one play. Yeah, a uh, uh, handoff from the shotgun on fourth and one, when you just need to pick up one yard, you know, why don't you bring in Ripkowski, set up a tight end behind him, bring in Lacey, hand the ball off, and say, stop us if you can. Why don't you do that? I don't know. (laughs) As far as Lacey and his health, I don't think there's anything health-wise wrong with him. I think Eddie Lacey, you know, what you see is what you get. He needs... He needs creases to to run through at full speed, and then he can do some damage. If the defensive line is standing up our offensive line and just kind of holding their positions, and there aren't really a lot of creases for for Lacey to run through, he hesitates, he looks, he tiptoes. At that point, he's lost all momentum, and he's not as effective. So, really, I think it's just a style, and... Personally, I think that, again, goes back to scheme. I think a lot of times they run the wrong kind of plays for Eddie Lacey. Yeah, you bring up a good point with Aaron Ripkowski, who played all of two snaps on offense last night. And and I'm not saying he's got to play 50 snaps, but two? I I mean, if you're going to have some power running plays, why not have the fullback in there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, let's look at the defensive side of the football because uh, big problems there too. Al, what what happened to Marius Randall after playing so well in Week One? <laughs> Randall got digged, is what happened to Marius <laughs> Randall. He got Stefan digged. That guy is something else, man. He is a handful to cover by by yourself, and that's pretty much what the job that Randall was given. There wasn't a lot of a lot of safety help for Randall, you know. Um, I remember one play in particular, the one where Dig ran. It was sort of like a like a medium length uh, slant, and Randall had outside in coverage, and he had the outside cover just fine. Turned, you know, handed him off inside, and there's nobody there. You could see Randall look yeah. back, like what's going on. You know, there's nobody here, and you know, Dig catches the ball, and then does some running after the catch, and ends up like a 30-yard gain or whatever it was. But, uh, you know, somebody posted an um, interesting stat. The Vikings offense yesterday in plays where, where Stefan Diggs was involved, averaged 20 yards per play. All the other plays of the offense averaged two yards a play. Jeez, so, geez, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, Packers got beat <laughs> by one player. 
you know, and and not giving Randall some help there, obviously, you know, came back to bite them. We're talking to Jersey Al Bracco here at Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV on a Monday morning. Um, Al, uh, are you worried about the injury to Morgan Burnett lingering? Because it's, if if I if I say so, I, he didn't have the best game either. Not that every single play of his was poor, uh, but you know he's had injury issues dating back to last season. So I, I mean, add this up with the the injury to cornerback Sam Shields, and and you know what kind of issues are the Packers having in the secondary here? Well, I mean, I'm worried about Morgan Burnett, period, never mind the injury to Morgan Burnett, because I didn't think he had a good game last week either. You know, he's, especially, I'm speaking mostly in coverage, you know. Mm -hmm. When he comes up to the box and plays against the run, he's done a fairly decent job. But but back in coverage, I don't know, he looks confused sometimes, not sure where to be, but he's giving people a lot of cushion. And so I'm more worried about, about you know, what's going on with him there uh, in the mental process. Yeah, with him playing a linebacker, it seems like almost that's the place for him because he just doesn't seem to have that, that speed to keep up with receivers in, in, in the passing game. Like you say, he's, he's a force yeah. out there against the run, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Um for for as poor as the pass defense was, the run defense was remarkably solid. Are, are are we looking at one of the best units against the run in the NFL with the Packers? You know, it's funny because uh, you know um, the the linebackers, the the inside linebackers, and uh, have done a fantastic job against the run. You know, the young kids, the outside guys have done a, f- a fantastic job funneling plays into the inside. Nobody's been able to block Mike Daniels. I mean, he was incredible. He was in the backfield more than Adrian Peterson sometimes. <laughs> um, it was, you know, so it's funny because some people consider the defensive line a real weakness of the team. I, I wasn't one of them. They might be, they might not be very deep, but the players that they have, you know, are playing very well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can, I can, uh, I can buy that. But uh, can the Packers get by on the defensive line if Latroy Guyon is out for any appreciable amount of time? We learned today he uh, he sprained an MCL last night. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that that's the concern is not so much the quality of of the players there, but the depth. You know, they don't have a lot of depth with penalties still out uh, two more games. So. Um, the good news is that Guyon probably won't miss more than one game with the bye coming up after next week. Uh, but um, if he had to miss four or five games, they, they would be in rough shape then. Yeah, you see they, a lot of Dean Lowry, I guess, which is a whole different type of player. You know, they and Kenny Clark, uh, they'd be playing the young guys a lot more. Yeah, for sure. At least Mike Pennell comes back after two more games of suspension here. But, uh, uh, help yep. could be on the way at least. Um, Al, did, did did the passing up the field goal come back to haunt the Packers this game? Well, um, I'm not going to criticize McCarthy for that, but the answer is yes. It certainly did come back to haunt them. Um, usually, and I mean, this has always been my feeling on the road. You take points when you can get them. Now, I'm not going to kill McCarthy because, you know, in the past we've all – 
killed him before for being conservative and going for a field goal. So I don't mind him going for, you know, for blood there. However, I do mind the plays that they came up with, <laughs> which we touched on a little before, um, uh, a, running, a running play to Starks out of the shotgun. Well, no, I'm sorry. You got one yard, like I said before, bring in Ripkowski, line up uh, Richard Rodgers or, or Jared Cook behind him, run behind whoever you think your best uh, guard and tackle is, and just get the first down. Was it a winning performance for the Packers special teams who also had the block punt by Ty Montgomery? Say that again, I'm sorry? Was was it a winning performance by the Packers special teams who also had the block punt? I mean, did, special teams didn't seem to be a big issue last night, did it? No, it wasn't. Um, the, the new punter isn't going to do much for us in terms of gaining field position, you know, um, so when we're we're pumping deep from our own territory, which is not something you expect the Packers to do much, but so far this year they they have been. Um, he's not going to put the ball back on the third on the other team's thirty. You know they're going to get the ball at the forty and the, at the fifty even. And you saw that repeatedly last night. His strength is is more um, when they're around the forty or fifty, dropping that ball inside the twenty, and he did that a couple of times. But overall, the special teams, I think, have been have been very good the first two games. And, uh, yeah, not, not a lot to complain about there. I think Montgomery came close to blocking a kick last week, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, did he get a piece of one in the preseason, too? It, yeah, anyway, I mean, he's, he's looking good out there. So uh, that's something we can hang our hat on at this point. But, Al, uh, thank you so much for talking to us. What, what, can, we, what can we expect at CheeseheadTV.com? Any articles uh, coming up to be published later today, breaking the game down or things like that? Oh, yeah. Today, on Mondays, we traditionally have our game balls and lane calls column, you know, where – we give out game balls and then a few raspberries to people who deserve it. So look for that later this afternoon, or this morning, rather. Okay, sounds good. We'll look forward to that and send people there. Thanks much for uh, taking a few minutes to talk to me, and uh, keep up the good work, all right? Thanks, Brian. Always fun. Okay, take care. Al Bracco joining us here at Cheesehead TV on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. All right, the Green Bay Packers lose 17-14. to In fact, you heard it right here at Friday's episode of Railbird Central. I predicted the, the score exactly correct, 17-14. to I just had the wrong team winning, and I, I told you the under was the play of this game, and, and that turned out to be the case. Um, I just knew with the opening of a new stadium that the Vikings would be supremely motivated to keep this Packers offense in check. Um, and I just knew the Packers would have to win a close game. And, and the, the close part, you know, came true. Um, but, you know, they, they just, you know, the Vikings made more plays when it came down to it. And, and that was the difference in the game. But yeah, I, I mean, that opening in the new stadium just knew they'd be motivated to keep, the Packers weren't going to put up a ton of points yesterday. Um, and I think the Packers' defense is doing pretty good, especially the run defense. And I, I see that continuing for, for pretty much the rest of the season, unless there's you know injuries along the way, this Latroy Guyon thing lingers. That could change things, but you know that's in the future. Let's, 
let's talk about this game a little bit and I'll give you my thoughts and to do that uh, kind of traditionally the way to do that on the show is for me to give my chips report uh, blue chips red chips and cow chips and and of course as always we start with the good the players that play good um, on Sunday uh, your blue chip performers first of all Mike Daniels and and Al Bracco I, I think said it perfectly. He was in the backfield more than Adrian Peterson. That's that's right there. Uh, sums it up for for Mike Daniels' game uh, last night. Granted, he faded a little bit down the stretch, but Mike Daniels pretty much owned this game early on. Perhaps part of it was that he was asked to play a relatively high snap count with the Troy Guyon going down with an injury. And maybe that's why he was a little worse off in the second half and in the fourth fourth quarter than he was in the first half. But still, Daniels was perhaps the biggest reason the Vikings averaged just 1.4 yards per carry on Sunday. And and Peterson was held to 19 yards rushing. Um, You know, Daniels was playing in the backfield on Sunday He by making four tackles, two of them for a loss, including a sack. And hey, even even the penalty he had, boy, I, I sure thought, you know, watching the broadcast of the game, Chris Collinsworth kind of made a mountain out of a molehill there, uh, talking about, you know, like head-to-head contact. And, and by no means was Mike Daniels out headhunting on that play. I, it's 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 just that that's the way Collinsworth made you feel. I, like, I understand, like, don't touch the quarterback after he's gotten rid of the ball. And you, you can dock Daniels for that, but by no means was he. This, this wasn't, you know, Cam Newton in the season opener there. Uh, Daniels barely made contact with uh, Sam Bradford's helmet, in fact, pulling up. So uh, I hardly... Uh, ding him for that but Daniels you know both against the pass and the run uh, a big factor in last night's ball game and your other blue chip and blue chips red chips good play all around on the first seven here you're gonna see is a theme or the the front seven um Julius Peppers gets the other blue chip Julius Peppers had a team high three quarterback hits on Sunday and the most remarkable part is is that it came on just 27 defensive snaps. One week after being MIA in Jacksonville, Pepper stepped up his game and was highly productive in limited action. It seemed like every play he was out on the field, Peppers was out there getting pressure on the quarterback. And, and yeah, you can argue that one of his sacks was set up by Nick Perry when... He was kind of pulling Sam Bradford by one arm and then let go, and then Julius Peppers kind of cleaned it up. And that's that's true. That's That totally happened. But, but that doesn't take away from the fact that Peppers was out there putting up you know a pass rush on a consistent basis play after play. He did his part, putting hits on Sam Bradford when he was releasing the ball, and maybe part of it was poor offensive line play by the Vikings, but that was pretty much across across the board, across the whole line. That that's the weakness of this Vikings team, the offensive line. And, and credit the whole Packers defensive front for taking advantage. And and that kind of leads us right into the red chips here. Speaking of the defensive front, 
Nick Perry, who gets one of the red chips. Nick Perry continued his string of solid play to open the 2016 season. He was out there battling play after play. Whereas Peppers was out there for 27 snaps, Nick Perry was out there for 49, more than any other player on the front seven of the Packers' defense. Uh, One of his best plays was uh, when he and Peppers sandwiched Bradford at almost the same time. Uh, he, He was only credited with a half a sack on the night but he had two quarterback hits and and provided a a relatively steady pass rush. And and it just wasn't, wasn't just his play against the pass. Perry was also a stud against the run. And for him, it it didn't look like he was, it didn't look like he was wearing down. Perry was an iron man out there in Minnesota. So, you know, from, from Daniels to Peppers to Perry and, and, and this isn't to, you know, uh, uh, push to the the fringes the the plays by the play by the other guys in the front seven who did well as well um you know from from Clay Matthews to Dayton Jones to Latroy Guyon when he was healthy was out there doing good things and uh I think you saw Kenny Clark take a step forward he's still got a long way to go no doubt about it but I think you saw, saw Kenny Clark flash uh, on Sunday night and hopefully those flashes just start coming a little bit more frequently now that he's got his feet wet and, and starting to play a lot here. And the Packers are going to lean on him if uh, Latroy Guyon is out for any amount of time. Hopefully Dean Lowry and Christian Ringo start taking the same kind of steps because they might have to play a little bit more as well. And they've just been playing a bit role. In fact, I, I went and looked at the snap count after the game. I think both Lowry and Ringo only played like six snaps last night each. Uh, that that's going to that's going to increase if if uh, if Guyan is out here. So um, definitely something to keep an eye on. But but good play across the board. And you know Al Bracco said it too. The the young inside linebackers playing well. Um, uh, you know Blake Martinez and Jake Ryan. I have no problems with what they've done so far. Maybe they haven't had the big plays, but they've been solid out there, and I think that's all you can expect for a guy, a rookie, and a guy in his second year just out there playing solid football. And and you know, so across the board, front seven, good play uh, by the Packers defense. All right, your other, the final chip in a positive category. The other red chip goes out to T.J. Lang. Because I don't know who else really deserved one on offense. You, you could perhaps argue that Randall Cobb could get it between what he did at receiver and in the backfield playing a valuable role. So, I, I mean, I had no problems with what Randall Cobb did last night. But TJ Lang, I thought, had a solid evening. And even his one penalty was not the most egregious in the world. Lang, uh, that happened in the fourth quarter, I believe. Lang arguably could have gotten a red chip for his performance last week in Jacksonville. But he's out there providing a steadying influence, which is important because really the guy next to him, J.C. Treader, hasn't been great so far. Maybe he hasn't been the worst center in the NFL, but Treader definitely has room for some improvement in the early going. 
Uh, now, I'm encouraged that he can improve because we, we've seen it last year when he was out there in relief of Corey Lindsley that he could play at a high level. So I, I'm not really worried about J.C. Treader, but the first two weeks of the season haven't been great for him. Um, as far as the rest of the offensive line goes, the tackles were also relatively solid. David Bakhtiari, of course, had that streak of snaps without allowing a sack snapped. Um, but, uh, outside of that one play, I thought he did fine for the most part too. Uh, but anyway, so I thought the best performance on offense maybe came from TJ Lang. Uh, but there wasn't a whole lot of of good, you know, on, on the offense last night. Uh, the, the best of the worst, I guess, uh, is how we break it down. All right. The cow chips and, and really, you know, breaking down here, what what went wrong for the Packers last night? Demarius Randall gets, of course, gets one of them. Uh, you know, here here's where the Packers lost the game: one cow chip on offense and one on defense. And you know, when looking at Stephon Diggs' big game, Randall was the culprit. Uh, and it's almost as if Demarius Randall and Quint Rollins changed roles from a week ago in Jacksonville. It was Rollins who had the bad day. And on Sunday, it was Randall getting beat time after time on deep plays, on crossers, on a touchdown, uh, throwing a missed tackle, and it was a bad day all around for Randall. Um, It's so confounding because you could make the argument he was the best cornerback in the entire league in week one. And on the flip side, you could make the argument that he was the worst in the league in week two. And so there needs to be a whole lot more consistency out of Demarius Randall. And last year, even when the young cornerback got beat, he at least showed a penchant to make the big play that made up for it. But there was no big play on Sunday. I'm not even sure he broke up a single pass. No doubt about it, Randall had a bad day and needs to rebound in a big, big way. Um just just really disappointing and and you know not everything was his fault El Bracco brought it down he there was that one play where he kind of passed off and and there was nobody there to pass him off to I'm not sure I put you know the whole blame on Demarius Randall for that play but there were plenty more in which he was at fault so uh yeah uh cow chip Demarius Randall and the other one goes to of course Aaron Rodgers who had one of his worst outings of his career. And worst of all was the ball protection, fumbling three times. And he was lucky the Packers only lost one of those. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was careless with the football, not showing the presence of mind to secure the ball when pressure is closing in on him, either when readying to pass the ball in the pocket or running with the football and, and being ready to be tackled. So that was maybe the worst part of his game, but by no means was his passing much better. Uh, there was, of course, the inexcusable interception to end the game. That's a ball that should not have been thrown, and neither was the one. Uh, neither was the ball in the end zone broken up by Terrence Newman, uh, you know, intended for Jordy Nelson. Uh, those throws are totally on Rodgers. And I'm not saying the receivers were particularly good on Sunday, but Rodgers deserves his share of the blame. Both he and the receivers didn't appear to be in sync on Sunday, an issue carrying over from last season, as we talked about. But the difference being is that it's happening with Jordy Nelson now, too. 
And I know there's some people out there that will point to, well, maybe he should have played more in the preseason to iron these things out. But I personally don't fall into that category. They they get enough practice time, and these guys catching the football are in at least their third year. So these are all veterans out there, including Rodgers. And so I think people just need to come to grips that Aaron Rodgers is part of the problem. And I said this on social media this morning, not the whole problem, mind you, but part of the problem. And I'm not saying he's forever going to be part of the problem. Um, He can bounce back and look absolutely great. I I think he can very much so. But but dating back to last season, look at his statistics. Career lows in completion percentage, passer rating, and average yards per attempt. Okay? I don't look at the statistics where they just add up like yards and touchdowns and interceptions. Look at the averages in the percentages. These were not good numbers in 2015, and they're even worse in 2016 thus far. Now, if you need a reminder, Rodgers right now has a completion percentage below 60%. Below 60. His passer rating is 82.6. This is a guy who has the highest passer rating in the history of professional football. And his average yards per attempt are 5.9 in 2016. These numbers are average to below average compared to his peers. And yes, the receivers are part of the problem too, but they're not the whole entire problem. Aaron Rodgers is just not playing up to that MVP level we've become accustomed to. And he just has to simply play better. He's got to make better choices He's got to secure the football. And I don't know if it seems to me like maybe some of it, they're almost doing too much timing stuff, like too many back shoulder throws, it seems like, where you know both the quarterback and the receiver have to be on the same page. And I'm not saying don't do them, but it seems like you know too many of these passes are falling incomplete where... You know, the guy's got to make the exact read in a split second. And just maybe that that's not the way it should be the majority of the time. Uh, just just got to work more within the confines of the offense or, or tweak the offense to, to make it work and, and, you know, quit relying on the back shoulder throw as much as they are. Again, not... not don't throw it out the window completely, just not as much as they are. So there you go. I, I mean, I, I think people need to come to grips with that. Be, I said people prob- want to bury their head in the sand, some of them, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and QB1, you know, thinking, uh, you know, he's, he's the two-time MVP, he's the Super Bowl MVP, he's fine, it's everybody else. No, he's part of the problem too. Not the whole thing, but he's part of the problem. All right, so... Um, that leads us to the day ahead. All right. Head coach Mike McCarthy holds his post-mortem press conference Monday afternoon in which people will be searching for answers to this loss. I'm not sure everyone will be fully satisfied after one press conference, but if you're interested, that's typically streamed live on Packers.com. 
And Mike McCarthy follows that up by taping his weekly television show in the Lambeau Field Atrium. Uh, so he's got a busy day in front of him on Monday. And also taking place in the atrium is Packers Live with Larry McCarron. Taping at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. They've already announced defensive lineman Dayton Jones will be the guest. And that's just one of several talk shows on the circuit on Monday. Being the biggest, busiest day on the Packers talk show circuit. And other, other places, Jordy Nelson hosts Inside the Huddle on Fox 11 in Green Bay at 5.30 p.m. From the Green Bay Distillery, which is free and open to the public. The fifth quarter airs at 5 o'clock p.m. on WTAQ Radio from the Stadium View in Green Bay. Pack Attack has guest Trevor Davis, who made his NFL debut last night. That'll tape at 6.30 p.m. at Central Time at Dale's Weston Lanes in Weston, Wisconsin. Uh, J. Rowan Elliott and Justin Perillo will be the guests on the game plan on WTCX and Fond du Lac at 7 o'clock p.m. And Clubhouse Live will begin at 6.30 p.m. with Ty Montgomery and guest Micah Hyde at the Clubhouse Sports Bar and Grill in Appleton and streaming live at PackersNews.com. So there is more than your fair share of Packers content coming out on Sunday with player guests and hosts and interviews galore uh i'm sure you wish they were all talking about a win but uh they're gonna have to justify a loss instead uh but hey folks it's it's early in the season here one and one with two straight games on the road that that just doesn't happen much to open a season uh you realize why it happened because the packers hosted the college football game and, you know, then they went on the road to open up a new stadium in Minnesota who didn't want to do that week one. So, you know, there there are reasons why the Packers were on the road twice, you know, tw- two in a row uh, to open a season that that doesn't happen very often. But, you know, you, you know, to come away one and one uh, is not a bad thing. Uh, there There's plenty of time for this team to turn things around. Uh, now we need to see it, of course, but uh, plenty of time here. And they come home from the for the home opener this upcoming week against another division rival. So it'll be really important to get a win on the board this upcoming week against the Detroit Lions. Really, really important game. Uh, r- really. Um, so anyway, uh, have a good day, folks. Uh, hopefully, you got a little bit of therapy here uh, on a Monday morning. Uh, and uh, can go on with the rest of your day. We'll be back on Wednesday talking to Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com here at Railbird Central, which airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time, which is the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. Uh, My call to action, as always, as usual, if you've not done so already, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's the one small thing we ask. The show is free of charge, no subscription, no paywall. So if you could do us a solid, head to iTunes, search for Cheesehead TV. It'll pop right up. Give us that five-star rating and a brief little review. doesn't have to be anything long, but it helps get word out about the show, and we'd appreciate it. So thank you. Have a good day, folks, and uh, we'll see you later. I leave you today with a song called Mauna Boa by The String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go, pack, go. Go.